Hello and welcome to Bread and Rosaries, the spookiest and scariest podcast about Christianity and leftist politics in the UK. I'm Ben Molyneux Heddington, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam Spears. Adam, if you could dress up as anything at all for Halloween this year, what would it be? Uh, have you seen these, um, like people who dress up as like a ghost, but in a red sheet with a hammer and sickle, and go as the spectre of communism? It's, it's hands down the best Halloween costume I've ever seen. That is so on brand for you as well. Yeah, uh, we're also joined this week by Emma Holton. Uh, same question, Emma. I give you a bit more time to think about it. What is your perfect Halloween costume? Oh no, I already know. Um, I would be dressed up as a Vulcan from Star Trek: The Original Series. That that is. I'm glad you clarified that. That's very important. Well, you have to you have to get the iteration right. A- a- absolutely. Can I just say official line of the podcast? Fuck the reboots. <laughs> I I agree. I agree completely. <laughs> I knew I was in the right place. I have seen one Star Trek thing. It is the original Chris Pine, J.J. Abrams first Star Trek reboot. Can you... F- no. Fuck you, man. No. Do you know what? Like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, How I, the dare thing is, you? I know, How very I know, dare you? <laughs> I know I'd enjoy them. That's the worst part. This is very much... Um, uh, what is that Pauline line about uh, knowing what I should do but not be able to do it? like, Or knowing what I shouldn't do and not be able to do it? But for me, it's <laughs> knowing that I'd really enjoy Star Trek, uh, but not actually getting around to watching it at any point. Somehow, by quoting Paul, you, you've mm-hmm. like out-nerded the people telling you off for not being nerdy enough uh, to watch Star Trek. That's true. Except I completely mangled the Paul quote. I think I got it wrong twice. That's fair. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, good point. You guys heard of Star Wars? That's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 Just... no, no, no. Oh, God, I love to smoke. We're live at the opening of the latest chapter of the epic space saga, Cosmic Wars. And the nerds have emerged from their basements. Wearing strange costumes to shield their pasty skin from the moonlight. Simpsons, your lack of costumes ill befits line positions two, three, and four. Where's your costume? Your ignorance is amusing and sad. I am dressed in the actual clothing worn by Cosmic Wars creator Randall Curtis. I bought them at auction. Then added pregnancy panels to fit my unique body type. Before there's a mutiny on the podcast, uh, Emma, why don't you tell us who on earth you are, apart from obviously a Star Trek nerd? Okay, I I feel like I've covered the most important part of who I am. (laughs) So um, I am an ordinant in the Church of England, obviously. Um, I'm training to be a distinctive deacon and I study at Queen's with Adam. What on earth is a distinctive deacon? I need to know that. Um, I don't think anybody in the Church of England really knows, to be honest. <laughs> Including distinctive deacons. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. Well, the the idea is that a distinctive deacon is kind of more outward facing. So um, priests tend to do their engagement work in the church and a distinctive deacon is more based out in the community. Except to say that a priest is still a deacon. That is true. Well, that's what every priest says, but then they well, don't yeah, really yeah, yeah. do it. But like in the in the Church of England, we we have this thing called the threefold ministry. That's Buddhism. I'm certain that's Buddhism. <laughs> I mean, there's over the, the eightfold path. That's what you're thinking of, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we have the threefold ministry where you have um, deacons, presbyters or priests, and bishops. And the idea is that when you are ordained priest. That doesn't mean that you're no longer ordained deacon. Um, when you're ordained or consecrated, I think is actually the correct term, bishop, that doesn't mean that you're no longer ordained priest or deacon. 
that's the idea. That's the theory. Uh, the practice of it is well up for debate. It's all about what hat you get to wear, right? <laughs> bishops, bishops get fancy hats, right? So are there they deacon do, yeah. hats and priest hats, or is it just bishops get fancy hats? There are hats you can wear as a priest. Uh, I don't know about a deacon. I, I think you just wear your stole a bit differently. Yeah. But honestly, I'm not really into the the fancy dress up stuff. <laughs> fancy dress. <laughs> that is that is uh, thematic for today. I like it. So I'm I'm going to guess that uh, Emma, you're maybe from a low church tradition. <laughs> Where did you get that idea from? <laughs> Speaking as someone who low church people look at and be like, no, no, that's that's too low. Um, <laughs> I think that's why I didn't know and basically still don't know what Anglican is. I mean, your your wife is is training for ordination. You know that, right? Yeah, but she is. I'm not. <laughs> like, in the same way, I, Sarah says this to me sometimes. She's like, why don't you come to church with me? And I'm like, I don't take you into professionals meetings. That would be weird. <laughs> why would I go to your job? <laughs> Shall we move on and start, as always, with what else is on my mind, Grapes? What else is on my mind, Grapes? We got an email. Uh, We actually got it a little while ago, um, but uh, we ran out of time last week. Or last time. I always say week, but we're we're a fortnightly podcast. So last fortnight, I guess? I don't know. We ran out of time last time anyway to talk about it. Um, But it was in response to our episode on why bother which was on we did a little while back where adam and i talked basically about why we still bother with christianity and church and all that sort of thing um and kind of yeah chatted through some of those ideas um we got a few nice bits of feedback we always love hearing from people uh, particularly for that episode which i think we both were a bit uh unsure about um, we felt like it was a bit maybe self-indulgent um, but a lot of people did, uh, not a lot, but like in the grand scheme of the number of people that listen to this, quite a lot, um, uh, did did let us know they enjoyed it. So we do we do like hearing your feedback. Anyway, we got an email from Alex about that, and uh, we thought we'd read it out and have a chat about it. Um, so it says, hey guys, I found your Why Bother episode really good. That's right, really good. That's, that's a great review. Yeah, yeah. Remember to leave reviews on uh, all the relevant places, by the way. I, we have never asked people to do that. Every other podcast I listen to does, and I think we I know, probably should. Yeah. But, we, I think um, we should. Yeah. We have had some good reviews left on things, though. Have have we? Yeah, I've yeah. never looked. Yeah, we've got a few Maybe on I, Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm an artist. I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> so, yeah, Alex says, I can identify with a lot of your experience, perhaps more than some others, as another white boy with a theology degree. We have been typecast, Adam. Oh, damn. And actually, uh, both of us have two theology degrees, so we're even worse than that. <laughs> That's how. How have you managed to make that like the reverse of gloating? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at least you seem to be using yours. Mine was eh. a big waste of time and money. I mean, um, I mean, mine was too. Um, but obviously, education. We, I guess, I don't know. I'll just carry on with the email. Uh, increasingly, I find myself lacking in an answer for why bother. One of the main reasons for this is the element of structural criticism. I find the CEV in particular to be an organisation that has institutionalised system, systems of racism, misogyny, queerphobia and classism. That doesn't sound like the CEV. No. I don't know where that... No. Nonsense, nonsense. <laughs> While I can't dispute much of what you said about the capacity the church has for good, I find it hard to move beyond the above problems in a space that, as you pointed out in the episode, has a bias for the conservative. A part of structural critique is recognising your own entanglement and complicity within that structure. 
and I thought you expressed that well, Ben. Ah, thanks. I personally find it difficult to participate in such a system, and for me, it was a reason to stop pursuing vocation. To draw a parallel with the Met Police, for example, a few good apples cannot reform the entire barrel. Rather, the entire system of policing needs to be scrapped and something else is required in its place. It's an imperfect comparison, but I think it speaks to the problems of doing good in a broken system. I mean no disrespect to you, Adam, nor anyone else who chooses to continue within the structure of the CV and is able to achieve material good. Rather, I'm asking from a position of genuine curiosity, how is it that you recognise a radical structural critique with your own continued participation in the structure? I thought that was a really good and interesting question. Well, uh, of course you do, because like, it, <laughs> it, it praised you, didn't it? Me, on the other hand, I, I feel attacked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, there's no bit that specifically said Adam's bit was less good, but there was a general sense in the email that that was the... Ben came out really well. Adam... Was also there. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think it's, it, you know, thanks for that question. It's it's uh, it's a really good email and, and helpful, I think. The tricky thing is, like, I basically agree with everything that he said here. But for me, it doesn't take away from the fact that I feel called to work pastorally with people on the ground, right? And there was something that I think, um, I think they said in the Magnificast, um, you know, Catholic spirituality will always be there. Um, the curia won't. Sorry, Adam, you're going to need to define for me, if not some of the listeners, what a curia is. It's kind of like the people and structures that are sort of high up in the in the Catholic Church. So, yeah, I think in a, in a similar way, in uh, more anarchist forms of socialism, there's this idea of non-reformist reforms, where, you know, you're sort of willing to advocate for particular reforms, whilst also recognising that the system ultimately needs revolution and i think i kind of see my role in the church of england in, in, in a similar way yes i want things to be better i'll always campaign for these non-reformist reforms but ultimately i want a revolution in the church and i don't think that looks like getting rid of the church entirely um, i think it means a fundamental shift a change in the way uh, in, in where power sits in the church and so for me in the meantime I still feel called to work on the ground pastorally with with people and to work in the community and I see my you know potential you know future in the church of England as as a, a good way of doing that in spite of everything um also uh, I just I you know I don't know what other job I could have to be honest Jesus weeps for Gaza he sees the pain and suffering of the 1.9 million people who have been forced to leave their homes without access to nutritious food, clean water, decent shelter. He hears the cries of the 25,000 orphaned children. He is with all who mourn the 250 people killed every single day. Christians for Palestine UK is a group of Christians who are calling for an immediate ceasefire in Palestine. We don't pretend to have all the answers, but are united in our prayers, hope and action for equality, peace and justice for all the peoples of the Holy Land. 
Together, we are organising a Christian presence at the National Marches for Palestine and Local Days of Action, where we've been joined by siblings from Sabil Kairos, Pax Christi and a whole range of Christian churches. We urge you to join us to act in solidarity with the people of Palestine and call for a permanent ceasefire and just peace. The Very Reverend Canon Richard Sewell, Dean of St George's College in Jerusalem, says, I warmly welcome the newly formed group, Christians for Palestine UK. Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank need to see the solidarity of Christians in the UK and they will be encouraged to see your commitment to stand up for them in their time of terrible suffering. To find details of local actions or to join the Christian bloc at a national march, follow Christians for Palestine UK on Instagram and Facebook or email christiansforpalestineuk at gmail.com. Join us as we call for a ceasefire now. (laughs) I think I'm very much on the same page as you are. I think my primary kind of sense of calling is very much working sort of on the ground with with people in communities. Um, And I think it's important to just remember that the church isn't, you know, deacons and priests and bishops. The church is the whole body of believers. And it's, it's those people on the streets that are every bit as important as anything else. And ultimately that's where the future is in the church. So discipling and equipping those people to, to, to become kingdom builders is a huge part of ministry. And I think if you have enough people on the ground, that is eventually going to filter up. That's that's personally what I think. I think it's, it comes from the bottom up. I'm not sure that's how bishops see it, but that's... <laughs> well, it depends on the bishop, doesn't it? Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. No, there are some very good bishops, and I think they do get it. But for me, it's it's about equipping everybody, because absolutely everybody has got a ministry. Yeah. And I know it's a cliched thing that you sometimes hear, but it's, it's absolutely true. And I think giving people the confidence to go out and do that is the most important thing that you can do as an ordained person. Ben, um, refute us. Tell us we're wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't necessarily... I mean, I... <clears throat> Uh, the thing for me is it's still something I'm kind of actively, I don't know, working through a little bit. Um, You're going to say working against. Well, well <laughs> yes. Uh, I think there's days where I'm slightly more comfortable. Yeah, and, and and to an extent, actually, at this point, my engagement with the Church of England, on talking about just me personally, is mostly just that uh, they put some money in my bank account, my shared <laughs> bank account. You know, for 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 my darling wife to continue training, I currently don't attend a Church of England church as as we established. I don't go to work with my wife, um, and I don't know. So on one level, actually, it's not something I may be that important to me because on a practical level, I'm kind of not in the Church of England really. I think you know the days where I struggle with them all are probably the days where I have to engage with the uh, bureaucracy and structure of the Church of England, um, because that will, yeah, certainly turn you against the Sea of Eve. Ben, I'm going to tell you what a pastor of mine said many, many years ago. Oh, dear. Ben, you're either on the stairway to heaven or the highway to hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you need to choose which one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know what song we're playing out the episode with. Yeah. No, it's it's too cliche. I'm sorry, it's it's played which, out. Which one? Which one? I don't know which one you go for. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Highway to Hell. Um, although Stairway to Heaven, better song. So maybe I am changing my mind on this. Um, it is a better. Yeah. It is a better song, but I but Highway to Hell still rocks so hard. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think one thing that I, I I kind of think about a lot is that actually there is a a kind of juvenile idea of avoiding compromise. Um, you know, you've just discovered leftism, and you're like, "Oh man, everything is terrible. I need to stay pure." Um, in a way that actually reflects evangelical Christianity in some interesting ways, um, and then you kind of have to. Uh, engage with the real world at some point and discover that the name of the game is always compromise and the question is not how to avoid compromise but how to actively choose and manage what compromises you undertake um you know i'm a member of the church of england and a member of the labor party so yeah compromise with dodgy institutions is uh (laughs) are they still not kicked you out of the labor party I uh, somehow know. I just assume it's because I haven't really like gone to anything or done anything uh, since you're just, the last. You're I just did not was... relevant enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. Um, yeah. So you know, I think there was something to be said about if you're compromising, it has to be worth the compromise. And if you can do good and important work by compromising. And I, we won't go into discussion, Adam, about whether that's possible within the Labour Party right now. <laughs> but, uh, and I guess I would imagine you two have a slightly less instrumentalised view of the Church of England to some extent. But to me, there's a sense of they've got a fair bit of money still. Not you know, not everywhere, but there is money sloshing about in the Church of England if you look in the right places. <laughs> and someone's going to have that money, and if you can get hold of that money and use it to do good things then i don't know like that that might be worth a little bit of compromise having to be part of a slightly dodgy institution in a way that i don't think to take that met police comparison i don't think it's possible to take met police money and do anything good with it because you're always going to be doing what the met police asks you to do yeah i mean there's a there's also an element of how does power function in each of those things right and I've said this before, in the church, I am basically free to say more or less whatever I want. You know, within reason. You know, if I mm-hmm. start spouting BNP nonsense, I'm going to get kicked out. Like, they're not going to let me practice as a, as a priest anymore, right? Which I would suggest is a good thing. Yeah. But in the police, the nature of power in that institution is that you, you're not even allowed to outwardly speak about politics in any capacity as a police officer like in in your role right but in the future i will be able to wear a dog collar and say that you shouldn't vote tory now i might have thoughts about whether i should do that from a particular pulpit at a particular time um and in what ways i would do that but i am free to do that um and i think for me there's a a, a sort of fairly fundamental difference in the way power operates Yes, I I will be working within an established church with a a hierarchical power structure that I'm not entirely comfortable with. Um, But I will basically be allowed to disagree with like a lot of that stuff and to be actively working to change things in the police. you, You can't. That's not the role of the police. That's not the function of the police. 
Um, so for me, I, I get the comparison. I think that, you know, it can be useful in a sense, but I don't think it's a, a, a straight comparison, really. So not a cab includes priests. Well, some priests. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add to that, Emma? You know, you're going to be a distinctive deacon, right? So you can say that ACAB in- includes all priests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, see, I'm so bad at this because I tried to, like, I'm really bad at using the right words. So I tried to use priests to be inclusive of of everyone, but clearly that is not the correct. No. Because I'm told no. vicars is not the right one either. So no. I don't know. No. Well, basically, none of them are exactly right. Uh. Clergy? You can say all clergy are bastards. <laughs> Yeah, that, that works with ACAB as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, did you have anything you wanted to add? All I can think of is, is something that my vicar said on Sunday that sort of resonated. He was kind of like, the church is still the only club in town that, that welcomes outcasts and misfits. And I think there is some truth in that. Certainly on ground level, it is it, it provides a safe space for, for people who otherwise wouldn't fit in anywhere else. And I think for that alone, that is such a valuable thing. And I think it's you know, it's fair to say that that's that's far from the case with every church. Yes. But when church is done right, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I and I think, you know, I, I certainly found that when I was growing up and I said this before, I think, but I I genuinely think that the the church saved my life. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't think I would be here if it hadn't been for the church during those times. Um, so, you know, for all the difficulties with it and and uh, all the disagreements with it, um, there's still good to be found in it. Yeah, but I I think that is the strength of the Church of England, though. The the strength of the Church of England is like like you said, there are certainly some churches that are not inclusive and welcoming, but. The Church of England overall does have that identity that is just that little bit more open. Yeah. It doesn't tend to go to the same extremes as other denominations. I'm just trying to remember because I've been reminded as well of the campaign that SCM, SCM being the student Christian movement, um, but they've got a campaign um, for churches to display clearly what they mean by everyone is welcome right because clearly not everyone is welcome in every church you know you might be they might say you're welcome and actually mean well you can come but don't expect to get properly involved if you're gay or whatever right um which to me is like well you're not welcome then are you oh so you've got like a little board outside with a little checklist or something this is in the church times the student christian movement is urging churches to be open about their position on LGBTQ plus inclusivity as part of a new campaign, Honest Church. We're not in don't ask, don't tell territory anymore, the CEO of SCM, the Reverend Naomi Nixon, said on Wednesday. Uh, The SCM have provided a toolkit available to download on its website that seeks to embolden churches to reflect on the welcome or lack of welcome they afford to LGBTQ plus people. The purpose is not to convince churches to be more inclusive, but simply to promote honesty and openness that would help young people in particular find a church in which they feel comfortable. So they have a um, honest church spectrum of LGBTQ plus welcome, and they're basically saying that you should put on your website what your theology is around LGBTQ plus people. Uh, use the Honest Church logo on your website um, and you can also have a, a A5 poster um, that you can put on your notice board as well So, and then there's a bunch of other stuff
So our main topic of the week is Halloween. We have managed to do this thing called advanced preparation uh, and thinking ahead that I've heard other people talk about in the past, uh, mainly in terms of, Ben, why don't you do more of this and record in enough time to actually release a Halloween episode just before Halloween, brackets, assuming Ben edits it in time. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween. And so uh, let's start by talking about our own experiences of Halloween. Uh, Adam, I'm going to start with you, because I think Emma's is the most interesting. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work our way up to the best. Adam, what were your experiences Halloween? Um, basically non-existent. Um, I mean, I, I, my family's kind of spiritual journey has been kind of weird and, and kind of bitty and... and yeah and so when i was growing up my when i was when i was very young in fact my parents actually became christians in a in a very conservative baptist church where celebrating halloween was not encouraged and so um i think mostly mostly because my dad didn't didn't want to celebrate halloween we didn't celebrate Halloween. I think we went to a light party once, um, which for anyone who doesn't know is like, it's like a Halloween party, but uh, it's, you don't get dressed up as a wee ghosty or a, uh, I don't know why I said a wee ghosty. (laughs) (laughs) So I I also grew up without Halloween. I might talk about that in a moment, but I I would say that despite the fact that I was a weird evangelical church kid, uh, even I recognised that it was crushingly uncool to go to a light party and avoided them. Um, So yeah, that is quite a a bad bad state to end up in, I'm afraid, Adam. Well, I mean, I only ever went to one. um, And I think part of it was that, like... I don't know, at various times I felt differently towards Halloween. So there were times when I saw everyone having fun and going trick-or-treating and all the rest of it. And a part of me was like, I'd quite like to do that. And then there were other times when, as a kid, I was like, that's wrong and, and evil and stuff. And I think it's it's because in those kinds of churches, they, they basically see Halloween as a pretty evil time it's sort of a hangover of how halloween used to be seen as like this time of spiritual forces or or particularly of evil were sort of enhanced during the time of halloween i think that's genuinely something that people in those churches believed and, and perhaps still still believe so um yeah i mean we you know we were taught that they it was a very dangerous thing very evil thing but but what i want to say as well about that is that Basically, as as we got older, my younger siblings wanted to do Halloween, and they did, you know. Um, and yeah, my dad didn't necessarily. I don't think he necessarily liked that. He didn't necessarily agree with that. I don't know what he feels about it this these days. But um, I, I think the thing for him has often been well. Basically, we need to be able to make our own decisions on these things. Um, and so, whilst it was discouraged, and I didn't do it my younger siblings did do you celebrate now i mean i i don't not celebrate it you know like um if there's a party happening um which there probably will be i should think um on like where i am at the moment i'll probably go depending on what kind of party it is because you know i don't want to go to i was a- gonna say i assume i assume you're the same as me where i'd be like i'm not going to this party but i want to be clear it's not because of the halloween thing yeah, yeah, yeah. it's because of the party thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it definitely depends on what kind of party like i'm not i don't want to go somewhere there's like thumping 
music and you know. Oh no, thumping music is great. Oh, it's having no. to talk to people. I object to. Well, if I know, but if I know the people, I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. I love I love thumping music at a party. I, I can't hear what you're. Uh, this, I can't hear you. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I mean, perfect. I I it it just adds to the awkwardness for me. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd uh, much the same as you, Adam. Um, my, my parents were very uh, anti um, Halloween, as was the church I grew up in. Um, there was attempts to do yeah things like light party alternative celebrations, uh, but I never really participated in them. Um, we did so a number of times, and it was more my mum than my dad. But she would put up signs that were, uh, I think the police gave them out, or maybe it came from church. I don't know. That were like, "Do not trick and treat here." Um, oh, I think we had one of them once. Yeah, but we also uh, one year in what even at the time I recognised to be a pretty uh, bad thing to be doing. Uh, my mum would. So there's 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 the bad version, which is you give some chocolate with like a Bible verse or something or a tract around it or in it or whatever. And there was the even worse version, which is what we did, where you didn't even got the chocolate, you just got the Christian propaganda. Um, yeah, I've seen a few of those happen as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say even I was probably an early teenage if that when that happened, and even then I was like, oof, that makes me feel bad. Um uh, it was interesting. One of the reasons I asked you, Adam, is how you feel about today. Is that I, I don't go, I don't really decorate because that's just not really who I am as a person. But I, I very much, um, I, I buy the most expensive Halloween chocolate, and I'm like, <laughs> have a lovely day. I never got to experience this as a child. So you're going ma- to maximise the uh, the joy for yeah, the yeah. children that are about now. Yeah, I mean, I get that, and and like I will. Like in in the last few years, I guess, um, wherever I've lived, I've sort of bought sweets and I'll sort of participate as far as I, you know, can. Um, I did also. I lived in Edinburgh for a while, and and sort of, um, uh, it's it's a fairly big, a fairly well, mm. Sarwin is a, a fairly big thing up there. So um, I did sort of do some of the stuff around that, but um, yeah, in a limited capacity, I guess. The only problem I have is that I try to do that with the kids. But as has been established on the podcast before, I am an unfeasibly large human being. And so little kids, they knock on the door and they and I open the door to be like, yeah, Halloween, lovely. And they like start at my feet and they start looking up to see me and they get to about waist height before they burst into tears at the sheer enormity of the human being they're currently looking it's at. It's a great costume. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, so it, you're Mark? so dedicated to Halloween that you've grown extra tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emma, I promised everyone listening to this that your uh, experiences were more interesting because that's what Adam promised me. So no pressure. <laughs> but what were your experiences of Halloween? Well, I I feel like I'm definitely the the heathen of the group here. <laughs> so I love that not to be me. That's nice for a change. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just putting so, it out there. Highway to hell. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I I grew up in um, rural North Wales, and um, we we used to celebrate Halloween. And um, where we were, we had um, we had some pagans living around. And when I went to uni, I got to know quite a lot of goths. So Halloween was kind of a, an annual thing, and so. Yeah, and for, for a long time it was actually my favourite holiday of the year. I really loved it. Nice, and and is it quite? I, I think it's it's when you're in. I don't know about uh, 
particularly where you were, but my understanding is that in Wales, as in Scotland, there's quite a different kind of uh, style to how it is in England. Uh, yeah, very much so. So so where I was, um, it sort of came in a bit of a window with another... So on the 29th of October every year, we would have um, a big village fair. It used to be the harvest fair, but it's a, it basically just turned into sort of a big fairground thing. So you'd start off, you'd go to that, and then Halloween, you'd have food and you'd you'd dress up, and there'd be ghost stories and candles. But it was it was very much the kind of telling of stories that was the main focus. And obviously, you know, if if you had Wiccans, it would be about sort of them connecting with their ancestors and things and seeking guidance. It, it was kind of it was very different vibe. So in North Wales, it tends to be called Norse Kalamgeav. And um, there is that sense of it's a night where anything is possible. It's that it's that idea that the veil between this world and the next, whatever that may be, is quite thin and all bets are off. It, it's kind of like a slightly pagan version of Pentecost. That's the best way I could describe it. Where we were, it was quite a Methodist community. Um, we did have one Church of England, Church of Wales, but it was predominantly Methodist. And um, it, it was interesting in that we didn't see any contradiction or problem with it. So you would you would tell these ghost stories, but it, it would always end like, you know, there is this light that shines in the darkness and, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. There was always that positive ending to it. So there was still a very Christian slant. There was still a very... It wasn't this evil thing. You would have this one night where things were dark and creepy, but the light would always come. I think it's fascinating that, because as we'll, we'll probably sort of see a bit later, that is to be found in some of the origins of Halloween. And I find it fascinating yeah. that, that, you know, where you were, it actually retained some of that, um, which I think is often less the case Um you know, I think now now that in, in England in particular, Halloween is basically, um, you know, largely an import of uh, from America, um, though not entirely. Um, it, it hasn't retained that kind of sense of, of the light um, quite so much. Except at yes. light parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to be honest with you, did not make them sound very cool at all. They are not very cool. But, yeah, they're very bad. Adam, you mentioned the origins of Halloween. Uh, Emma, you sent across an article uh, in The Guardian called uh, Halloween, It's More Than Trick or Treat by Ronald Hutton. Uh, I believe he's actually got a whole book that you have read, and I guess you think you're better than us because you like read books and stuff. That's cool. <laughs> to be fair, um, I, 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 when I sent it to you, because Emma sent it to me and then I sent it to Ben, I don't think I specified that Emma had read it, although maybe I... Oh, right. She may, she may well have done. I, I don't know. But. <laughs> I have actually read the book. Whoa. It, okay. It's... It was a long time ago. It was before college. Now, now I try and avoid reading books wherever possible. <laughs> so talking about reading books is ableist. We've established this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was a really interesting article that talked a bit about some of the roots, um, uh, particularly in Europe, uh, of the festival that go beyond um, you know, the American version of it that's often imported. Um, like a lot of Christian festivals, it is a pagan festival that we grabbed and stole um but emma do you want to talk us through a little bit of some of the origins of it well um first of all i should probably give the, the guy who wrote the book a shout out so it's um, a book by a guy called professor ronald hudson and the book's called the stations of the sun and if you're interested about 
reading about old festivals and where the origins are. It's a really good book. One of the things he sort of delved into is is there's this idea that, that a lot of the traditions that we have surrounding Halloween are actually pagan in origin. But then he's also pointed out that, that ancient pagans, they didn't have a written history. So the actual evidence that we have, the actual traditions that we have, are very scant. So we might have a name, so, you know, Samhain or Norse Kalangaev, but the actual traditions and the actual thought processes behind it are very much lost in history. So what we have is a very Christianized view of it. So sometimes what we actually say is pagan or believe to be pagan is, is actually the early church's interpretation of it. It, it's quite interesting that a lot of the time we, we try and sort of disown these things when actually they are kind of ours in a way. And it's it's this very much the same with sort of Christmas and Easter. We, ha- we have these sort of distant, far memories of what things used to be. Something else that was interesting in the article was this kind of sense of there being this ambivalent nature to Halloween in that, you know, based on the time of year it was, and this links to what you were saying, Emma, about harvest also being kind of drawn into the sense of the festival it's a time of year where you get homecoming uh, people coming back from uh you know battles or uh, expeditions or whatever else because you know they're back for winter uh you get the harvest you get plentiful food and so there's a time for celebration of being reunited of sharing stories and friendship but also it's the kind of time of year where the nights are drawing in there's going to be cold and dark people are going to be struggling in a lot of different ways as as the dark winter kind of draws in so there is this you know ambivalent nature to halloween where it is both this kind of celebration of friendship and uh, community and all this sort of stuff and also the start of the long dark and hard winter yeah and I, I think i suppose another part of the ambivalence towards halloween is is you've got you've got christmas and easter and they both very much tie into into the gospel story they they both reflect very specific parts of jesus's life uh, and i don't think halloween necessarily has that anchor on that note I think it's important to recognise as well that Halloween fell out of favour as as a fairly direct result of the Protestant Reformation. So, like, yeah. you know, All Hallows' Eve and All Hallows' Day were times in the church's calendar that were for Catholics to pray with the um, saints and then on, on All Souls' Day as well to pray with for um people who like their their loved ones which are very catholic things and so halloween you know being back then still a lot more connected to the church fell out of favor uh, because of course those are things you know praying with saints uh is is very much um, not okay in protestantism we're not allowed to do that stuff is that a new ruling what's the these days, Ben, <laughs> we we have this thing called religious freedom. Um, not a fan, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think Adam's actually raised a raised a good point, and it was something that I'd I'd kind of been thinking about. It's with with Halloween, it, it kind of fell out of favour, as Adam said, and I was just wondering if there will be a time when Christmas and Easter might actually go the same way. Maybe that's been a bit Whoa. controversial. Whoa, that is that is 
that's heresy as far as I'm concerned. How dare you? Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, if you think how commercialised Christmas has become, how, you know, for most people it, it's more about family and getting together and sharing meals than actually going to church. It's it's what what are you willing to let go and what are you willing to retain? At some point, Halloween was sort of let go of by the church and now it's become this thing that people don't want to sort of acknowledge or really have anything to do with. Is there a is there going to be a time when Christmas is going to go the same way? When it's just, oh... Yeah, I mean, that, that is interesting because actually Christmas did the reverse, right? Christmas was a less churchy thing for hundreds of years and became a more churchy thing later on and is sort of something, I guess, that the church grapples to retain some control over in, in the present day. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's just interesting to think uh, Halloween's sort of like the, the little sibling that sort of wandered off and became a bit of a goth. <laughs> Christmas is the one that they've really kind of tried to keep as the golden child, but ultimately... So to, to overextend this metaphor, is, is Halloween the lost sheep that the uh, Good Shepherd needs to go and rescue? Is that your... Uh... <laughs> black sheep i've got to be honest with you i think yeah, yeah i think there is a way of, of reclaiming halloween i think there is and it doesn't have to be light parties it's what you want to make of it ultimately and i think if christians try and exclude themselves from these holidays then they're no longer a part of the conversation you know whether whether people are comfortable with it or not halloween is a big thing and people do have halloween parties and you can either be a part of the party and be a christian influence in that or you can cut yourself off and nothing happens. Yeah. And, and I think I'd rather be in the party seeing what I can do. I, th- I think that's that's one of the things actually that fascinated me about the... Um, so one of the other articles that, that we were looking at was um, one that was by uh, the Canon J. John. Um, so J. John is a, um, a Church of England um, priest um very much on the evangelical side of the uh, church i think he's got a whole blog he writes about it a, a fair amount and i think uh i i found it fascinating because i think a lot of the time i i actually think he has some valid criticisms but there are a lot of things that he said where i just thought you're just grasping at anything now to try and make this seem bad um and like we we shouldn't do it and that there's no way to approach what you're saying here like one of them that i found incredible was um that he he said that halloween is unhelpful because um whilst we should safeguard children um what we're actually doing is telling them to go out in the dark and knock on on strangers doors yeah and i'm like (laughs) yeah like fine so like go with your child like it's not it's not that hard to like do halloween safely do you know what i mean and i just feel like when you're going to that length to like grasp at things and you know it's basically the kind of um is it was it is it maud flanders it's not is it it's um helen lovejoy where she's like oh would somebody think of the children yes a hundred percent yeah (laughs) 
so the article, the thing we read, has actually been put out by the Church of England. Yeah. Uh, which and it's so funny because the Church of England is it, the article is basically like some people think that Halloween might be bad. Here's Jay John's take on it, and it like clearly couches it to be like this is not the official Church of England position, and then just copy pastes a J. John article about the whole <laughs> why yeah, it's yeah. awful. <laughs> J. John has written so many articles about yeah. it, and if I'm being cynical, which, as you know, is my default state, it would look like that maybe he's realised it's quite an effective way of people getting him to uh, write for... like He's written for like the Mirror and stuff for it, so he gets into national publications, nice paycheck, bit of name recognition, to talk some absolute bollocks about Halloween. So I, I, if I'm being cynical, I think maybe he's <laughs> found a good grift there. But, I mean, you know... I mean, may, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is a grift. At the end of the day, though, I've got no doubt that he believes this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that he genuinely wants people not to celebrate Halloween. Um, so, yeah, maybe he does get paid for these articles. And, you know, it's it's nice to get paid. Uh, I like getting paid. Sometimes I write things and I get paid for it. So I <laughs> that in and of itself isn't something that I have a problem with. Um, Capitalist. Mate, the the uh, the the uh, workers deserve their wages, mate. You know, <laughs> as every Christian capitalist has yeah, told yeah. me, and they do, they do deserve their wages, which yeah. is why capitalism is bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think I, I had looked through at some of the different um, kind of Christian takes on Halloween. There is that kind of anti-Halloween. It's bad. Don't take part in it thing uh, there was one that i was going to put in the notes to have a conversation about but honestly it was just too kind of depressing in the end but it's basically someone being like i know halloween is bad because it's when the evil spirits used to torture me the most and i was like oh dear oh dear and then i yeah. thought it'd be quite funny and then i read it and it's clearly someone who had quite a mentally ill mother uh, who was sectioned uh, as a result of her uh, belief that she was being tortured by demons but her, she herself basically denies that that was a mental health thing and is also quite mentally ill so it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be so I couldn't put it in um, but you get that kind of uh, yeah like Halloween is absolutely bad and terrible uh, there's this other view uh, that you get which is kind of this kind of uh, weird reactionary backwards looking it used to be good but now it's bad Uh and I think particularly, you mentioned being in Scotland, Adam, and I know I heard my dad always talk about he spent a few years in Scotland growing up and how well he was growing up. And in Scotland, it was this lovely community event and whatever. Uh, but nowadays, it's all just evil and threatening people and stuff. And yeah, you get that kind of weird thing, uh, almost nostalgia for the good Halloween, which I always find quite odd. It's imagined past, isn't it? You know? Um... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the fascist view of Halloween, but it's not <laughs> not that. <laughs> well, the thing is as well is that like that community stuff still happens. You know, like yeah. Halloween is one of those few times each year where people genuinely go around with their kids and talk to the community. Right. Talk yeah. to people and, you know, at their homes and, and share things. And, and like there's some real good in this as well, actually. Um which is which is why I can't, you know, personally go for that whole like it's another thing that J. John says, um, that it's getting worse year on year, nastier and and, and so on. And it's like you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna suggest there aren't some people like, you know, dressing up as bad things that you probably should think twice about or whatever. But you can't take that 
those isolated examples and then say, therefore, the whole thing is bad and everyone should go home and lock their doors, mm. you know? But do, do you think this is an article written by a guy who just doesn't do Halloween, so he's kind of got this sort of caricaturized idea of what it's about? You know, in the same way, people who don't go, who, who have never been to church, yeah. their only image of church is what they see on TV. Yeah. So it's either something like Miss Marple <laughs> or the Vicar of Dibley, and that's literally how they see church. Yeah. yeah, and so when they arrive, it's kind of oh, actually, it's a lot. It's a lot more down to earth. It's a lot more, you know. There's normal people talking about normal things. Not in so. any church I've ever been to. I don't know. About it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Ben, I, Ben, I think... we've already established that you don't go to church, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there is something interesting. You're absolutely right. And, and actually, I went kind of almost the opposite way. You do get this a lot where Christians don't participate in something and uh, then, yeah, come up with this caricature idea of what it's like and criticise it based on that. Um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that there's a bit of like, uh, I haven't done this in, in a long time, if ever, so I've just assumed it's bad based on my imaginings of it. Um, yeah. The kind of third view that we got, which we kind of already talked about, is that Halloween is a great opportunity for evangelism, uh, which is in, in particular light, light parties. Even if you're not me and the word evangelism doesn't make uh, your skin immediately start crawling, <laughs> uh, I, I think there's something, yeah, just a bit embarrassing about that. If, even if we're not criticising it ideologically, as we said with light parties, it's just profoundly uncool. And I think we've kind of, yeah talked those three through quite a bit um the final one i want to talk about is a kind of a slightly more i guess liberal take and you mentioned the jared bias article which comes up with a version of this and it's kind of like a either halloween is actually cool and really christian or it's good to laugh at evil and take away its power or the jared bias article basically says that the problem for Christianity is like a lack of imagination in the world today and anything that creates people to think about things in spiritual and imagines more than the material kind of context is only good for Christianity. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's something quite... On one level, it's it's better, right? It's, it's a better option. But I don't know. We do a podcast about Christianity and how it interacts with the world. So when I say sometimes you just need to stop thinking about things from a Christian perspective, you know it's got really bad. But like, there is something to be said about, do you know what? Like, not everything has to be about Christianity. Like, I think, like, I used to know people who would be like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to the football today. It's a great opportunity to like, you know, it's community and, you know, you get to be with people and you make these relationships, maybe the opportunity for evangelism. And I'd be like, cool, I'm going to go watch sport because I like sport. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, the, it's, the like, same, yeah. it's the same kind of energy that, like, wants to know which celebrities are Christian, right? Yes. And, and, like, yeah. celebrate them for that, despite, you know, regardless of how awful they might be. Um, may or may not be. Um, you always want to know. And Chris if, Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Yeah. And if they <laughs> and if they are a Christian, somehow they they seem to get away with a lot more than people who are not celebrities. Um, mm -hmm. And well, either are or aren't Christians. You know. I think it's also worth pointing out that 
certainly for I mean you know for the Wiccan community this 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 is a legitimate holiday yeah. and it, it's not you know we wouldn't be sat here criticizing you know any of the other religions holidays like this so, well, so I think there has we, well, we wouldn't I suspect J John might but <laughs> yes I mean, yeah but we we live in a, a multi-faith society and no, this this is you know a, a Wiccan holiday and even if we're uncomfortable with it, I think it is worth just noting that for some people, this is a very important time. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's also, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this to sort of diminish that sense of it being a Wiccan holiday at all, but it's also a Christian holiday, you know, yeah. like, like, and, yeah. and, and it's, it, again, it's, it's like what Ben was saying earlier. Like it's, it's like the church, I think it might have been both of you saying this actually, but, but it's like the church has, thrown it away has cast it off yes, and said this is no longer so. a christian yeah. holiday um yeah. when actually well it, it is and it should be and, and could be yeah um again you know as you say ben not that necessarily we have to see everything through a christian lens but i, I actually think the idea of all hallows eve and all hallows you know all saints day I, I think it's pretty cool you know i think it's interesting i'd like to do more of that stuff of how how they used to celebrate it, you know? Yeah. And also, as we all know, it is the one day of the year where a girl can dress like a total slut and no one can say anything. <laughs> so... <laughs> what are you? I'm a mouse. Duh. I think that probably just about does us. Uh, in conclusion, uh, Halloween, go and celebrate it. It's probably cool. Don't make such a big deal out of it, but it's basically fine to be a Christian and get involved in Halloween. Is that is that about right? Are we happy with that? that? That's about right, yeah. Yeah, I'll go for that. Uh, go to some good parties. Do not go to a light party. Uh, other more popular podcasts that have like celebrity guests and stuff uh, invite people to pl- <laughs> to like plug stuff here. Um, so I don't. I assume you don't have anything to actually plug. But was there is there any opinion that you would like the world to hear or thing that you need the world to know about? Um, no, no. Other than the, give Halloween a try, you'll be fine. Good. Also, when I say the world, I mean the like single digit number of people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Emma, for coming on. It was nice to have someone who's read at least one book relating to the topic on the on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm really interested to hear some of the experiences in uh, in Wales. And yeah, it was lovely to have you on. Uh, you can come back anytime you want if you want to talk about more interesting things. Thank you very much, Adam. Where in the world can people find you? You can find me at commiexian on most platforms. Uh, you can find the podcast in all your usual podcast feedy places, which apparently some of you not only have been finding it, but leaving reviews. Somebody have a look at those. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash breadandrosaries. We are on Twitter at bread underscore rosaries, and you can email us at breadandrosaries at gmail.com. We do really genuinely love hearing from people. Uh, we always like uh, talking about the questions you send in and the ideas you share with us. Uh, yeah, so please don't hesitate to get in touch. We love hearing from you. Uh, thank you, Emma. Thank you, Adam. We will see you all next time. See you later.